Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 272. What you pack in your carry-on on the first day of your cruise can sometimes be the difference between a great start to your cruise and a not-so-great start. In the hours before the luggage is delivered to your stateroom, you'll need to have a plan with what you want to have with you contrasted with what you're willing to carry around until that time. To get your cruise started off on the right foot, I've come up with my list of the most important things to pack for your upcoming cruise to avoid any embarkation day woes. Here we go. If there's one aspect of the Royal Caribbean cruise planning process that still gives me a little bit of anxiety, it's got to be packing. There's always that guessing game of what do I need, what should I bring, and trying to divvy it all up correctly. And when we're talking about going on your cruise, day one, of course, is a really important day, really fun day. But you're also going to make a decision. Just like when you go on an airplane, some luggage you're going to give to the porters to be able to be delivered to your stateroom. And other luggage you'll carry with you with you as a carry-on that you'll take on board the ship rather than having someone deliver to the room. And there's a distinction between both. And we should probably talk about that. But I really want to talk about kind of almost the anatomy of a cruise carry-on on this week's episode. Because I feel like this is a really common question. What should you bring on board the ship with you and your carry-on? What shouldn't you bring? And everything in between. So when you get to the cruise terminal... You're going to have luggage with you, and you have the choice of giving some or all of your luggage to the porters who are working there in the terminal, and they will then take your luggage, have it scanned through security, and brought up to your stateroom. Really easy, saves you the anguish of having to drag it around all over the place, and you know it can just be a kind of a hassle, not to mention that certain pieces of luggage that are too large cannot be brought on board the ship. Uh, they have to be able to fit through the security scanners in the terminal. So that's why a lot of people will inevitably, you know, obviously give it to the uh, porters to be able to deliver it to you. Plus, it's just a hassle. Forget anything else. I mean, I just don't want to carry around all that luggage. Can you imagine taking seven nights worth of luggage for a family of four and just carrying it around for a couple hours? Not ideal. So you have the choice of having some or all of your luggage delivered on board the ship. Most of the times, you'll have it's pretty easy, right? You have the big pieces of luggage that gets delivered. And then inevitably, you're going to have some sort of a carry-on. Now, on airplanes these days, you know, it's more of a, I think it's more of a price decision than anything else, right? Sometimes we try to stuff as much as we can in our carry-on so we have less weight in our checked luggage because there's costs associated with checking more luggage and all that. With a cruise ship, that's not the case. You can bring really as much luggage as you want. I think there is no actual rule uh, by Royal Caribbean in terms of how much luggage you can bring. I think the rule just simply says something reasonable. Like, you can bring, you know, the sort of luggage that would have made, like, you know, like a medieval queen's uh, collection of clothing. It's more of, you've got to have, you got to be normal about it. You're reasonable with what you're bringing. They'll take it on board. So, no issues there. But you do want to keep some things on with you, both in terms of just-in-case scenarios, as well as practical scenarios. And today, we're going to talk about what you should bring with you and what you should not uh, bring with you. And basically everything that you should not bring with you should be going in the, in the obviously, your checked luggage. But, you know, uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about carry-on, I mean, this could be a backpack. It could be a shoulder bag. It could be a rollerboard. I, it, you know, some people bring, you know, all kinds of different carry-on size luggage. It really doesn't matter in terms of what kind of piece of luggage you're talking about. Yeah, in, in fact, I think a lot of it also is going to be more than one, right? Because if it, let's go back to the family example. You know, I may be carrying around my backpack and maybe even an additional bag. My wife will have another bag for her, and my kids may bring their own luggage or something akin to that, although I always try to talk them out of bringing their luggage because inevitably they get tired of carrying it, and then they have to, you know, 
then it becomes a hassle and a source of frustration for both them and for us. Now, keep in mind that you'll have to keep your carry-on luggage with you at least until your stateroom is ready. Usually, the staterooms are ready around 1 p.m. It can vary from port to port. Sometimes I've seen it at 1.30, but usually around 1 p.m. your staterooms are ready, at which point then you can drop it off. So depending on what time you're arriving to the cruise terminal, this may or may not be an issue. But also keep in mind one other thing, which is that at 1 o'clock when the staterooms are ready does not mean when your luggage will be delivered to your room. Luggage delivery takes place in the afternoon. And Royal Caribbean says, you know, it could take all the way up until sometime in the evening for it to occur. In all my cruises, I think there's only been one situation in which it really literally took till some point late in the evening for all of our luggage to arrive. Normally, it arrives very quickly, usually in the, let's say, you know, certainly before five o'clock. I think, you know, even before sail away, it's pretty common to have all our luggage. I mean, don't forget, Royal Caribbean has to process all the luggage that goes through, right? They have to scan through security. It has to be brought up you know, by hand, quite frankly, in, you know, from the bottom of the ship and then distributed by the stateroom attendant, they'll deliver it. So eventually it will magically appear in front of your room. And it's something that you can, you know, count on. But again, the distinction is maybe it'll be there at 3 p.m. Maybe it'll be there at 5. Maybe it won't be there until 8 o'clock. So there are certain things you want to have with you, not because you may need it later on in the day. And this is really what this discussion is talking about, because, the items in your carry-on might be the only possessions you have for your first day on board. I mean, lug- lost luggage or situations in which your luggage doesn't appear for a really long time is pretty rare. Does it happen? Of course. Just like in the airlines, it's something that you know can occur. But uh, I think there are definitely ways you can mitigate any of these kinds of issues by packing accordingly. So if you can't live without something for a few hours or a few days, you definitely want to pack it in your carry-on and keep it with you. Because... Frankly, if you pack smart that way, it'll lead to a more pleasant, less stressful cruise experience. So let's start off with like a really obvious one, right? The first one will be your passport, your your ID, and your cruise documents. These are things that you should absolutely keep on your body with you in your carry-on luggage. These are the things you should not check, right? Because you need your passport and your ID and your cruise documents in order to check into the cruise to begin with. So obviously, if you were to get to the terminal, have that your your passport in your in your checked luggage, give it to the t- porters. Then you get to the check-in desk. They'd be like, where's your, where's your passport, sir? And you'd be like, uh, it's in the luggage. Then you've got a big problem. So keep your passport ID and your cruise documents with you. Any government ID you should be keeping with you. Uh, you know, these are things you want to, this is like the most important thing. In fact, I tell my wife every time I go on a cruise before we leave the house, she's like, what do I need to have? I'm like, you need to have our passports, your, your ID, uh, and the cruise documents, everything else we can buy. Which is true, although it might be frustrating, but everything else is, you know, is secondary to that extent. So make sure you have it all with you on your body. That's number one. Number two, probably along the same lines as number one, which would be credit card and cash. You definitely want to keep that with you. I think most people have that anyway because, you know, you're going to have it in your wallet, which will be uh, either in your pocket or in your purse or something to that effect. But you're going to need that. You're going to need your credit card for check-in. You may need some cash to be able to tip people along the way, be it the porters who are taking your luggage. Uh, make sure, by the way, if they are taking your luggage, you do tip them. Usually, customarily, that's $1 or $2 per bag. You know, depends obviously on the situation, how gr- how gracious you're feeling, how excited you are for the cruise and whatnot. But keep your credit card and cash on you regardless. I mean, I'm not, you know, we haven't gotten to like, you know, a theft situation here or anything like that, but you definitely want to keep your credit cards and cash with you. So these, so far, I think the first two, Pretty obvious things that you can, you should, I think that I think inevitably most people will probably do anyway, but worth repeating. Next, medication. This is an important one. I think this is one that a lot of people overlook. If you have medication, do not check your medication. The reason being, if they do lose your luggage, if your luggage doesn't appear until 11 p.m. the first night and you need medication that is really in your best interest to keep staying healthy, 
don't risk a medical emergency. Make sure you carry it with you. I would put all medication that is important, like prescription medication. You know, Tylenol, okay, not a big deal. You can get that on board the ship. But obviously, if you have, you know, medication for your blood pressure, for diabetes, for any situation, anything that's not over the counter, I would highly recommend you keep it with you because the prescriptions you need to take daily are things that you cannot afford to have lost, misplaced, or anything like that. So keep it with you. Put in your travel toiletry bag anywhere else, you know, with your toothbrush and everything. I mean, obviously, it doesn't take up a lot of space or it's not very heavy. So, you know, that that's really important. Now, at this point, I would say you're pretty much reached the critical must pack. Everything beyond this now, we're starting to enter this realm of good to have, good pr- best practice, nice to have, but not necessarily critical. Okay, so this is going to be a decision for you. And the decision is, well, the more stuff you pack in your carry-on, the more stuff, you, more stuff you have to lug around the ship until at least your stateroom is ready. And if you're like me and you arrive to the cruise terminal early, this can be an issue in the sense that you're just carrying around a lot more. Like as an example, I carry around my electronics, which we're going to get to. That's There's uh, an easy one right there, your camera, your cell phone, your laptop, other valuables. I don't – as I bring a laptop every single cruise. I bring a, a DSLR camera every single cruise. I ring my cell phone every single cruise. My wife brings her tablet. We never, ever check those things. And the reason being is, quite frankly, I don't trust them. You've all seen how they they treat luggage, right? Whether it's at the airport, cruise terminal. You know, they, look, I don't blame them. They got a lot of luggage to move. They're going to grab the luggage and toss it on top of the other luggage. And inevitably, that's really bad for electronics that are quite sensitive. So first and foremost, if you have sensitive electronic devices like a camera, a phone, a laptop, other valuables... Make sure you put in your carry-on luggage. Now, it's going to add weight, okay? If you have a laptop, you have a tablet, you have these things, this is going to add more weight to you that you have to lug around, but it's important to, I think, in this situation, keep it. Some people probably do check their their laptops. I remember one time I was I was looking for a bag that was hadn't been delivered to our stateroom yet, and we I went down to security, and there were folks that had other bags over there, so I could see kind of, you know, the bags were open because people were inspecting them, and I saw in some of their checked luggage, they had laptops, and it just... My gosh, it like my, my, my eyes like bugged out of my head. I was like, geez, dude, that's like, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollar investment and you're putting it in your checked luggage? Whew, playing with fire right there. But getting back to what I was originally saying is that obviously everything you put in your checked luggage at this point forward is now more about about weight. Now you you can counter this, of course. You can say, Well, Matt, if I show up to the ship for check-in in the afternoon as opposed to the ten AM or nine thirty AM that you do then obviously you the, the amount of time you have to keep your luggage with you, your carry-on luggage, that is, uh, is quite minimal. And that'd be accurate. Absolutely true. And in fact, you could do that. Personally, I don't I do not do it for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm excited. I want to go on the cruise. I want to get on the ship as soon as I can. I want to start my vacation as soon as I can. Quite frankly, I want as much time as possible on board the ship. So I'm not looking to get there in the afternoon. And I feel like two to three hours of carrying around your, your carry-on luggage is not a big deal. I, it's not like you're carrying around for six hours or anything like that. It's pretty simple. So I, I'm pretty confident about that. Second of all, in the last couple of years, I've seen Royal Caribbean tease or, or play around with an idea of a place to check your carry-on luggage. We actually did a blog post at royalcaribbeanblog.com a couple months ago where Mariner of the Seas has been, maybe is still doing it, I'm not sure, testing a option to have carry-on luggage storage. So basically, you get on board the ship and you can drop off, you know, like your computer bag. Not, no one's handling it. It's just going – it's like – it's like a coat check kind of situation. You just give it to them, they hold it there, and then you go grab it when your steamer is ready. So that way you're not lugging it around the ship. So there's that to be – you shouldn't bank on that. I certainly don't. I assume everything I'm carrying with me, I carry with me. But 
Just keep that in mind. And this is also really important for kids because my kid, if you're like kids are like my kids, they get super excited. They pack everything in their room into their bag, right? All their toys, all their things they think they're going to need, which they won't, right? Because they're never, they're, they're on a cruise ship. When are they going to play with toys other than at night? Anyway, they pack all this stuff, and then what happens? They get on board the ship, and then you know, on embarkation day, they don't want to carry it anymore because it's all it's too heavy. So it's definitely something to uh, uh, to, to consider. Next on my list of things to put in your carry-on luggage bag, swimwear. Uh, I put, you know, bathing suits is really something important, something I didn't do for a really long time, and it's a tip I heard for a really long time, but now I understand, especially with kids. When you get on board the ship, day one, swimming is a really nice thing to do, and a lot of people don't take advantage of the pools. The pools are open on embarkation day, and it's probably one of the best times to go swimming, to try the flow ride, or go on the water slides. Because most people don't pack their swimsuits. So as a result, there's very little lines for things like the flow rider or, or water slides, which will be open. Or the pool itself will be much less crowded. And quite frankly, we've got time to kill. You know, we, we'll go eat lunch. We'll do maybe a couple things like register for Adventure Ocean. But reality is, there's some. we're probably going to have two hours or so of kind of, you know, I mean, the kids aren't going to go bar hopping with us. So the pool is the natural place to go. Plus, then one of us... My wife can watch the kids. I'll go grab some drinks, bring it back to my wife, and hey, vacation started for all of us. Pack your swimwear. Absolutely a great strategy. Of course, you know, obviously bathing suits don't really weigh that much. Don't have to worry about towels or anything like that. Don't worry. There'll be towels available for you on the pool deck. Just bring your CPAS card over to the attendant. You get some fresh towels. You're good to go. You can change in one of the public restrooms. Usually there's uh, some larger restroom space near the Windjamer. There may also be some restrooms on the pool deck as well, depending on the ship you're on, obviously. But Bring your swimwear. That way, you have it uh, not only to uh, you know to be able to take advantage of uh, even if you don't go swimming, just to be able to be by the pool and whatnot. So you know your flip flops if you're not wearing them already, swimwear, things like that. This it, it's a great way to start your vacation and hop in the pool. And again, for kids, this is like my go to spot for uh, for embarkation day. We used to try to like bring our kids around the ship and like let's go explore the ship, kids. And it sounds like a good idea when we're talking about the dinner table, but on board the ship, they've got so much energy. They don't want to walk around, take a spa tour or see the artwork in this. You know, they got no time for that. They want to go and do the thing that's important to them. So I've learned to pick my my battles and swim time is good. So pack your swimwear in your carry on luggage. Now, along those lines, my next one is also a change of clothes. Now, this one is a little different. So I mentioned obviously packing your your swimwear, right? So as a result, you're going to have the clothes you wore on board the ship. You may want another change of clothes. Depends on you. Uh, some people would go to the point of saying you should also have your your dinner clothing for the for the evening, assuming your luggage doesn't come until maybe later that night. I don't know that it's critically important to go quite to that level, uh, packing an extra outfit for the first day in case, you know, whatever the reason, bad weather, maybe it rains, maybe it's colder than you were anticipating, uh, maybe you get out of the pool. Uh, someone soiled their clothing, you know, at lunch, which is really common, you know, especially in my family. Uh, you know, if your luggage is lost, you'll have something else to change into. These are all really good. I- it's not a bad idea. I just don't know that it's, again, this is space and weight and everything like that. Because everything we've got up to this point, we've talked about, obviously, your medications, your ID, your your electronics, swimwear, clothing. You're starting to exceed the size in which a normal backpack may be able to accommodate certainly purses as well i feel like you're starting to get into the i'm lugging around another piece of luggage kind of situation which may or not be a problem again if you get a backpack you get a rollerboard small bag hey it's not a big deal at all um but a lot of uh, cruise experts would tell you that you know you should have just in case 
have another change of clothes, socks and underwear. So that way at least you can you'll have what you wore on the ship and another extra pair and that'll keep keep you going until, you know, let's say worst case scenario. Or worst case is they lose your luggage. It's gone, so are your clothes. You're not wearing one outfit for the next, you know, two or three days until you can get more clothing at the next port or what have you. Um up to you. I, I don't. I, this one is more of an asterisk. I, I've heard it repeated enough that I feel like there's some merit to it. I don't do this personally. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't pack another uh, set of clothing to that effect, just in case. I think that the chances of it happening are extremely low. And yeah, am I playing with fire to some extent? Yeah. If, if it happened to you, I'm sure somebody's writing an angry email right now. Dear Matt, you are so wrong. I'm going to type in capital letters to explain it to you. <laughs> right. Anyway. There's something you should consider. Next one, also very important, kids' stuff. Things for the children uh, you definitely want to pack. Now, if you've got infants, you definitely want to make sure you go to the you go to the extreme here. Pack extra formula, extra bottles, pacifiers. For, for young kids, diapers, these are really important things that you don't want to risk. You, know, you don't want to get to the point of like, oh, gosh, we've run out of diapers because they're in that one piece of luggage that we're still waiting for. Make sure you have plenty of that. I'd also say, obviously, any toy, you know, maybe one toy for the kid. As I mentioned, my kids will pack like their entire room in their in their luggage. One toy, just so that they, they should probably be carrying it on board anyway. But you know, have something like that. Uh, if they if they have a video game system, an iPad, something that they use to keep them entertained, not a bad idea. That goes back under the electronics thing. So I'd probably ad- advocate packing that anyway in your carry on. But have that stuff you're going to need in order to get your kid from, let's say, lunchtime, noontime, let's call it on day one all the way until about dinner time or so. And with infants, kids in general, it probably behooves you to have more than you actually need. It's really, really important. So there you go. And uh, some other things to keep in mind. Uh, Let's talk about, of course, on Royal Caribbean, you can bring, actually, certain beverages on board with you. The policy about bringing beverages on board a cruise vary from cruise line to cruise line. On Royal Caribbean, you can bring up to two bottles of wine per stateroom. And for the wine, you absolutely need to bring that in your carry-on. Do not put it in the checked luggage. If you put the, the wine in your checked luggage, here's what's going to happen. Your your luggage that you checked is going to be flagged because they're going to look in the x-ray machines. Like, There's a bottle in there. They can't tell what it is. So they're going to flag the luggage. It's going to go to what people, some people call the naughty room, where it's uh, basically this room where they hold all this mysterious luggage. They're going to page you eventually, emphasis on eventually. Then it'll be called down to go, have them open the, the 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 bag in front of you and see what's in there. You don't want to get to the situation. Not only is it a hassle, but when this happened to me one time, my wife, we packed uh, bottled water in the checked luggage. I had to go down there. It didn't occur until like, I think like 8 or 9 p.m. We didn't get the luggage. I was looking all around for it, but inevitably we were paged for it. We went down to get it. It's a big hassle. So basically, what I'm trying to tell you is when it comes to the bottled wine, put in your carry-on luggage. Now, wine is heavy. If you packed, you can... Uh, bring up to two bottles per stateroom, not per person, per stateroom. It, it's not that it, it can be a little heavy. Not like it's going to break your back by any means. No, no, no. But when you put wine, you got your toiletries and you have that extra change of clothes and your laptop. Hey, it all adds up, right? But you absolutely have to do this. If you're bringing your own wine, which you, which I would advocate to do so if you enjoy wine because it's a way to save a lot of money. Great tip right there. Bring your up to two bottles of wine per stateroom uh, in your carry-on luggage. Secondly, Royal Caribbean has recently changed its policy about non-alcoholic beverages. And you may be aware of this or may not be aware of this. For a number of years, Royal Caribbean said, there's no no drinks at all are allowed to be brought on board with the exception, of course, wine. Well, while liquor uh, and any alcoholic beverage other than wine is not allowed to be brought on board, right? 
uh, non-alcoholic beverages, the policies change. And now Royal Caribbean says, okay, here's the deal. You can bring uh, 12 standard, up to 17-ounce, cans, bottles, or cartons per stateroom of non-alcoholic beverages. Um, so, you know, this is sodas, bottled water, I don't know, energy drinks, whatever it is you're into. Uh, that doesn't include alcohol. You may bring with you. But again, just like the wine, this needs to be in your carry-on luggage. And this will, again, if you bring this, you bring the wine, you bring the other, the laptop, boy, it's going to add up really quickly in terms of weight. So just keep this in mind and distribute appropriately and take turns and invest in the, okay, so-and-so is going to sit over here with all the luggage while we all do this and we'll take turns washing the luggage. It's probably the good strategy, no question about it. In terms of toiletries, I think it is a good idea, just like on the on the bringing on an airplane. An airplane is a little different because when you're packing toiletries, there's TSA ramifications and eh, not so much of an issue there. Uh, this is more of a, again, your luggage is delayed. You want to take your contacts out. You want to brush your teeth. Um, you want to take a shower, and the built the shampoo Royal Caribbean provides you is not going to happen. You need your own favorite shampoo. Then you definitely want to make sure that you bring the uh, correct ones with you. And this may be also be something you do inevitably because I think these days people tend to pack their toiletries in their carry on to begin with. But definitely something that you want to uh, care put in your carry on luggage. It's important, I think, from a personal standpoint. Again, do I do this? No, I think I keep my, I know my wife does, but my toiletries stay in my checked luggage because I, again, for the same reason I don't pack an extra suit, uh, outfit, I don't feel like it's really going to be a major problem and uh, I'm not worried about using the Royal Caribbean shampoo. My wife would totally disagree with me on that one. She will not use the Royal Caribbean shampoo. She wants her own shampoo, her own conditioner and everything else that goes in there. So again, that's something to keep in mind uh, with your carry-on luggage. But that basically wraps up the important, emphasis on important, I'm not saying this is the end-all be-all, but important things to put in your carry-on bag for embarkation day. The more that you can check, the easier it will be. I would love to imagine a day in which I have nothing. In my, I have nothing other than like you know I can put in my pockets, like you know, my ID and my cash and you know my devices. But you know, cruising with a with a DSLR camera and a laptop are pretty much the norm for me because you know I'm blogging usually. And whoa, the <laughs> the life of a blogger who must bring those things with you. I know you all have sympathy for me, but uh, in all seriousness, I feel like, you know, there, there's that line. You got to figure out what's important to you, what your risk tolerance is. And I'm sure there'll be somebody who will tell you, Hey, look, we, they lost our luggage or this happened. And we had, thank God we had, or we didn't have it. You want to make sure you, you pack these things in your carry on luggage. Again, in terms of being able to mitigate the issues of having to carry it around, cause that's the problem. It's like, well, man, I'll bring all these things with me, but I don't want to feel like a, you know, a, 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 a mule where I'm just, you know, lugging all this stuff around well and you know what then there are alternatives and i've seen some people actually will bring their entire luggage with them on board the ship and i'm just like oh why are you doing that like i get it you 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 i don't know some people don't want to pay the porters or tip the porters um but schlepping that luggage around just ain't worth it i'm sorry i just i i don't mind bringing a little bit of stuff that i think are mission critical but check as much as you can but in terms of, of, again, avoiding having to lug it around as much as possible, uh, A, again, you don't have to arrive early. If you arrive certainly by 1 o'clock to the terminal for check-in, you'll have very little of no downtime where the room should be ready at that point, and then you can go right to your room and drop it all off. That's probably the easiest strategy. It's not my preferred strategy because, again, I like to get on board the ship early. If you're like me and you want to get on board, uh, invest definitely in a option to you know pick a spot on the pool deck, Drop off all your stuff over there. Have someone babysit it and take turns babysitting until it's good to go. I mean, the reality is, you know, boarding really doesn't begin until sometime in the 11 o'clock hour in most cases. So you're really talking about, you know, two hours or so in which you're really carrying it around without your stateroom being ready. 
Worst case would be three. If maybe like boarding began at 10.30 and your stream wasn't ready until 1.30, okay, that's like the worst case scenario. But I don't think it's the end of the world. I think in many cases, even when I'm bringing, you know, a bag of electronics, bottles of wine, children, it, it it's not the end of the world. It kind of stinks going from point A to point B, but my advice is to mitigate or lessen the amount of things you're doing walking around the ship and save it until your stateroom is ready. It's probably the best way to go about it. So there you go. There's your uh, car- cruise carry-on uh, 101, if you will. And uh, hopefully this will help you plan for a great first day on your Royal Caribbean cruise. Let's answer some Royal Caribbean questions that you've sent in to me via the Royal Caribbean blog inbox. And, of course, you can always send me an email to be read right here on this podcast by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Joe Moran, who writes, Hey, Matt, it's J.L. Moran from the blog forums. I just listened to episode 265 of the podcast and wanted to mention a really helpful tip I didn't hear you cover. It's something that you and the folks on the message boards clued me into when I had my first ever cruise coming up. Make sure to bring some small bills to tip the porters. I did hear you mention the value and importance of using the porters, both on embarkation and disembarkation day, but I didn't recall hearing you saying that you should make sure to tip them a dollar or two per bag. On our last cruise in April, our porter at disembarkation was unbelievably helpful in finding all the bags for our family of four and then guiding us through customs and to our car pickup area all while hauling our small mountain of luggage. This was the most well-deserved tip I've ever given, and I actually went a bit above and beyond the recommended amount just because he was so helpful and good-natured the entire time. These guys work just as hard as anyone on the ship and help make sure your vacation has a great start and finish. If you didn't mention it and I missed it, no worries. Feel free to toss this email. Thanks again for the hard work you put into the blog, the podcast, the group cruises, and everything else. Joe, you're absolutely right. Definitely a good tip. I think I mentioned it in this episode, but you're right. We should probably mention it before. The porters... There's no cost to use porters in any port you go to for embarkation or disembarkation. They're just expected. They're, they're, a tip is expected, and a dollar or two per bag is certainly worthwhile. Joe reminded me of a story. I think I mentioned this on this podcast where we were coming back from a cruise in Port Miami, and just like Joe, we had a great porter. He took our luggage with, you know, obviously picked it all up, put it on a car, got us through customs really quickly. We went, he took it all, we parked in the official parking garage in Port Miami. He took the luggage all the way to our car. Now, that alone, is pretty good. That's what I almost, I hate to say expect, but that's a good sign of a good porter, right? Well, then lo and behold, my car wouldn't start. Like, I went to go unlock the car, you know, with the remote starter, and it wouldn't, nothing would happen because there was no, long story short, the lights were on when we left, and I, it didn't, it shorted, obviously the battery ran out. So, I mean, at this point, this guy's working for tips, keep in mind, okay? So this is like, his best case scenario for him is he's running as far, many times back and forth to help more guests to make money. That's how he makes money, literally. I mean, I guess he has a wage, but you know what I mean. And, Anyway, with I mean, the guy stood with us the entire time. He brought his car around, gave us a jump start, wasted easily 30, 45, even 60 minutes with us doing all that. He didn't have to do all that. So certainly, I did give him more than a dollar or two per bag in that situation. But I'll tell you that it's porters are amazing. They may not go to the lengths that my guy did in Port Miami, but it really does make a huge difference in being able to... You know, be able to talk about you know what kind of services they offer to you, and for me to be able to pay a guy five or ten bucks to start my vacation off right, I think it's well worth it. And it's, and on the last day of the cruise, when I'm half asleep and I don't want to get off the ship and I'm depressed, yeah, I'm gonna have someone help me with my luggage, no question about it. All right, let's go to our next email it's from Ryan Rayfield from Westchester, Pennsylvania. Hey, Matt, been listening to your podcast for over eight months now, and I count down the days until a new podcast on Wednesday every week. My girlfriend Ashley and I are going on uh, Anthem of the Seas on November 17th, 2018 for an eight-night Bahamas cruise to Port Canaveral, 
NASA and Coco Cay. We're very excited. This is their first cruise ever. This is my fourth cruise, third on Royal Caribbean that I've got on. We bought the deluxe beverage package when there was a Black Friday sale. Very excited about that. We also did the BOGO dining package, which I believe uh, we have to use the first two nights. We're hoping to get on board on embarkation day as early as possible to ensure we can reserve chops and wonderland for nights one and two. We have a balcony room on deck eight and couldn't be any more excited for this vacation. We do have a few questions for you. Number one, we're thinking of booking the Rainbow Reef snorkeling excursion in Nassau. We want to know if we bring if we can bring our own snorkel gear. We're not trying to put our mouth on rental gear. Uh, Ryan, that's a great question, dude. I have no idea. If this excursion is booked through Royal Caribbean, then I would recommend probably just calling Royal Caribbean and asking about that. I thought there was an email address for the ability to send them a, a, an email about it, about the to the excursions group, because inevitably that's where it's supposed to go. Um, I think it's shorex, S-H-O-R-E-X, at rccl.com. Shorex, S-H-O-R-E-X, at rccl.com. I think that's the email address that you're supposed to send an email to. And I, it might be, because obviously when you call up the phone bank, they're just going to be, those, that's reservations. They're not going to be able to answer your question for you. Maybe they get be able to get you the answer or get you to someone who can answer it for you. But anyway, I'd send them an email first. If it's through a third party, then obviously Ryan, I would contact them. I, so can you bring it on board the ship? If that's your question, sure. I don't, I don't know. The tank's probably not because obviously that's a compressed, you know, air and all that. But I mean, your fins and your other scuba stuff that I can't think of. Yeah, sure. Uh, Ryan also wants to know, what's the process around booking the escape room on board? Pretty easy. Actually, one thing you should check, Ryan, is make sure it's not available in your cruise planner already. If it's not, uh, then the cruise planner being online, of course. But if it's not, just go to guest services on day one while you're making all your reservations for dining. You should be able to book it right then and there. You will have the Royal IQ app, Ryan, for Anthem of the Seas. You can use that. That's the smartphone app. And that should be able to do it as well. But since you're already at guest services or wherever making reservations for dining, you may as well take the extra step and go for them to book the escape room. I would recommend booking it as early as you can. It does tend to sell out fast. Ryan says, what kind of breakfast can we get with complimentary room service? Just a, it's basically a continental breakfast. So coffee is the only hot thing you're getting. Otherwise, you're getting like danishes and fruit. It's, it's considered a cold breakfast, but obviously coffee's not cold, but you know what I mean. Uh, that's basically the limit of it. When you go to your menu, and it's going to be hanging inside your stateroom door, you'll see the option over there, Ryan. And it'll, but it's, it's nothing, you're not getting eggs or bacon or anything like that. You're going to get, you know, a Danish and, you know, fruit and other cold items that you can use. Uh, number four, Ryan wants to know, which is my time dining. Is it possible to eat at any of the four main dining rooms if we'd like? Which dining room do you think has the best table for two, possibly with a window view? So there are four din- main dining rooms. You're right, Ryan, but only two are for my time. The other two are for traditional dining, and you'll be assigned one. They're virtually identical. They're all the same. It's just different decor, you know. Uh, it's based on an old uh, attempt at a dining rotation that didn't quite work on Royal Caribbean. Anyway, don't read too much into it. You cannot pick the restaurants. They're all the same. Same menu. There's no difference other than the decor. Certainly, if you want a window view, just ask for it when you when you check in. You may have to wait a little bit longer for it. You know, in terms, of, there may be another table that doesn't have a window view or close to the window, but you can wait for it. There's no problem there at all. So. Ryan, thank you for the email. Have a great cruise. Hope your girlfriend loves it. And that way you guys can start a wonderful life of cruising together. That'd be awesome. Next, we have an email from Sam, who's back from Mariner of the Seas and writes, I wanted to write about my family's recent four-night cruise on Mariner of the Seas, August 27th to 31st, 2018. Of the six members of our family who cruise uh, on Mariner this time, only my wife and I had cruised previously. After traveling from northern Kentucky uh, for a four-night cruise, I tend to agree with you in many ways about not using these sailings as a sampling for first-time cruisers. However, the amenities on Mariner certainly seem to make this a more enticing option than before in my eyes. I also don't know 
that NASA is the most exciting port to expose first-time cruisers to. While I didn't feel cheated by only going for four nights, I don't think I will be rushing back to book anything less than five nights again in the future due to airfare and having to drive to the port for a short cruise. I was very impressed with the refurbishment and additions they made to Mariner while in dry dock this year. Being able to experience the amenities and activities available only on Oasis-class ships with roughly half or two-thirds of the cruisers was great. While I love the lure of the seas and would go on an Oasis-class ship again, I think that I personally enjoyed the Voyager class more in many ways. The entertainment options at all times were good. We made it to the Gallery of Dreams show and the Royal Caribbean Singers, Dancers, and Orchestra, Ventriloquist head, Headliner show, and a comedian. All the entertainment options were attended, uh, we attended rather, were a great way to spend an hour in the evening. David Curtis at the Schooner Bar was also fantastic and perhaps the entertainment highlight of our cruise. There were plenty of activities throughout the day and evening and for everybody to enjoy. The cruise director, Hugo, was very upbeat and kept you engaged anytime he was around. Dining in all venues was excellent. We had wonderful breakfast every morning in the Windjamer, as well as lunch during our day in Nassau. Service and food were excellent uh, during our dinners, two dinners at Chops Grill, one dinner at James Italian, which I can now officially say I much prefer over Giovanni's, and the wear your best night in the main dining room. Sushi for lunch on sea day at Izumi was also top notch. If we had any complaints, it would be that the Voom internet service did not work well in our cabin. We stayed in a spacious balcony aft on deck seven starboard side. My wife experienced unstable connections while she attempted to complete assignments for her online coursework while in NASA. Throughout the rest of the ship, the Voom service worked fine. Overall, I would absolutely love to go back on a Voyager class ship, particularly one that had been upgraded with amenities and activities previously only found on newer, larger Royal Caribbean ships. While we always have a soft spot in our heart for Allure and all that she's offered us, we really enjoyed with this what the newly amplified Mariner that she's offered with a much smaller passenger load. Because of this cruise and our love for Mariner, we decided to try out a Voyager 2.0 Freedom class ship with a five-night sailing on Independence of the Seas in December 2019. YOLO book it. As always, thank you for all your valuable feedback and insight on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and on your Facebook page. If you'd like any additional feedback or questions, please don't hesitate to contact me. Awesome. Well, Sam, thank you so much for the email, dude. This is great to hear. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Mariner Seas on this podcast a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but really glad to hear you enjoyed it. And I totally agree with a lot of everything you said over there. You know, the interesting thing about the uh, – there was a couple of things I wanted to mention. Oh, the Voom service. You know, the Voom on Mariner – Voom, by the way, is Royal Caribbean's Wi-Fi uh, internet service that you can get there. That's just a marketing term. And it's not nearly – on Mariner, the speeds certainly don't seem to compare well compared to other ships in the fleet. There's This is just a fleet-wide thing. Some ships are better or faster. But the service in your room – I've I think I've generally felt that it's always more spotty in the room. Uh, obviously, the routers are in the hallway, and as a result, you tend to be on the extreme peripheral of uh, periphery, periphery, peripheral. Anyway, so you're on the edge of of the network because obviously they're not you know making the network extend out into the ocean. So uh, you can be more hit or miss. But I've de- definitely found that if you're looking to do more mission critical stuff, definitely try to go towards uh, a common area, more ins. Center, centered into the ship, right? You'll find a much stronger signal there, more consistent service as well. So definitely uh, something to do there. Um, but I'm glad you had a great time on there. You know, the uh, everything sounded like you had a, a great cruise, and thank you so much for the great comments and for sharing this with us. Next, we have an email from Elizabeth Robinson. Who writes, I'm Matt. Just wanted to share a quick review of our recent Oasis of the Seas cruise. We did an Eastern Caribbean itinerary and had a great time despite the crazy rain in San Juan. This is our first sailing using the new Royal Caribbean app, and I must say everyone should download this app right now. 
I love having the cruise compass in my pocket while walking around the ship without having to carry around the paper. My favorite part was that I could book specialty dining venues right in the app, including Solarium Bistro. You can see the entire week's main dining room menu right in the app, so picking which nights to go was so easy, and if you needed to change your reservation, it was only a few clicks away. Plus, the app knows all your show reservations and excursions booked through Royal Caribbean. The super helpful in port is that the app always shows the ship time. We're, we are looking forward to seeing the folio and mobile set sail pass options when we do Mariner at the end of October. Elizabeth, thank you for the email. And you know what? I had an opportunity to try out the app as well on Brilliance of the Seas. And I agree. I agree. It's a huge first start. I did love the cruise compass ability. What Elizabeth is talking about is the new Royal Caribbean smartphone app. So in the previous email, we talked about uh, Anthem of the Seas. And the Royal Caribbean came out with a smartphone app in 2014, I think, for Quantum of the Seas called Royal IQ. It was Royal Caribbean's first smartphone app. It's only available on... Harmony of the Seas and the Quantum Clash ship, so Quantum, Ovation, and Anthem of the Seas. But Royal Caribbean said, you know what, we're going to, first of all, we need a new app. We need to, a pre- the pro- conversation probably went along the lines of we need to update the existing app. And they said, no, 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 we're going to create a whole new app. And they've been developing it since uh, last year, actually. And they're in the process of rolling it out to certain ships in the fleet. Oasis is one of them. There's about a half a dozen or so, or more now that I think about it. I think it's closer to a dozen that have the app, but it's still in development. Not all features are there yet, but it is an important step forward. And I would agree that if you're, sh- what you should do is just go to the, go to the iTunes store or the Google play store and search for Royal Caribbean. You'll find the smartphone app there. It's supported on about a half of, like I said, about a dozen or so ships, but download it. If you, if your ship supports it, definitely use it. You only send a benefit from it. Uh, but on top of all that, I'll tell you that they, uh, it's off to a great time. I'm really like what I see. And when we get to a point, eventually it's going to have the ability to not only look at the cruise compass, but be able to manage your onboard spending. There'll be online chat. And all of this, by the way, is going to be free. There's no additional cost of that. Royal Caribbean has confirmed that there. So there you go. Our next email is from Casey, who writes, Matt, thank you so much for the awesome podcast. I just became a Royal Caribbean blog insider. Thank you, Casey. I've taken three Royal Caribbean cruises over on Grandeur of the Seas out of Baltimore. Although Grandeur is a smaller ship, my family and I love sailing on her, and it helps that the port is only 20 minutes from our house. However, this summer, we decided to take our boys, ages 6, 8, and 10, to Disney World, so we're adding a Disney cruise. After listening to your podcast comparing Disney and Royal Caribbean, I almost decided to cancel my Disney cruise, but the only Royal itinerary that fit into our travel window was the cruise on Enchantment of the Seas. I thought she might be too similar to Grandeur, and I promised my kids that they would go on a larger ship this year, so we still with our Disney plans. I wanted to share with you a few of the differences that I noticed. Kids clubs. The Disney kids clubs were huge, especially compared to Adventure Ocean on the Vision class. However, I did not like that Disney did not have many organized activities as Royal Caribbean did. Since they did not split the children up by ages, some of the activities were too babyish for my older boys, such as parachute games or dance party. Usually when I pick up my kids, they are playing video games. I have no problem with them playing video games, but we can play Mario Kart at home. I wanted them to interact with other kids. My oldest son said he preferred Adventure Ocean on Royal Caribbean over Disney. In terms of activities, during the day on Disney, I was surprised by the lack of activities. On Royal, I enjoyed going to trivia or watching the game's poolside led by the cruise staff. However, on Disney Cruise, I found very few activities. In terms of service, the dining staff and room attendant were fantastic, but I felt the level of service was comparable to Royal Caribbean. For price, Disney Cruise is about $2,000 more for our family of five than a similar Royal Caribbean cruise. I've heard some people complain that they feel nickel and dime by Royal for all of the extras. The, quote, free extras that I noticed on Disney uh, that Royal would have charged were for sodas, umbrellas on the private island, and the water slides on their private island. However, if I purchased all these extra things on Royal Caribbean, I still would have saved up at least $1,500. In conclusion, the Disney Cruise is great. 
but it was not better than a Royal, Cru- Royal Caribbean cruise. I know that you've never sailed on Grandeur, but I wanted to encourage you and your listeners to give her a try. If you come to Baltimore, I guarantee that you'll have the best crab cakes in the world. Thanks for all you do. Casey, Oh, it, it, I am smiling ear to ear hearing this review. I'm so glad you mentioned all this stuff because it is exactly my thoughts on when it comes to Royal Caribbean versus Disney. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. And, and you know, the extra cost, $2,000, that's another cruise right there. And everything I, I everything from top to bottom I agree with. Even with the Kids Club, I think your your summary of it is pretty spot on from what I've heard. My kids haven't been in, in Disney's Kids Club, so I can't compare apples to apples. But I can tell you that everyone seems to agree that Disney's kids program tends to be more like open or free range programming where basically you drop the kids off and the kids can do whatever they want to do. It's more like, you know, they'll be supervised, but it's more of a, Hey kids, here's some stuff. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Whereas on Royal Caribbean, it's much more structured. It's more like camp where you go here. All right, kids, we're going to do this. We're going to do painting. Then we're going to do Gaga ball. Then we're going to go do, you know, face painting or whatever, you know, depending on the age group, obviously they, they break it down, but not only is it segmented by ages, the activities then are also age appropriate as well. And there's things to do at late night. Yeah. That then it devolves into once you get past 10 PM in the late night party zone on Royal Caribbean, it's more like Disney where it's like, okay, whatever you guys want to do, we pretty much can do, but that's obviously to be expected. Uh, but I'll tell you, my kids love Royal Caribbean's Adventure Ocean Program. They never want to leave. They're always complaining to me that we're picking them up too early and why can't they sail till 2 a.m. like the other kids? And <laughs> uh, it's it's a good problem to have, I'll tell you. But Casey, thank you so much for that email. And I, I want to try Grand Jury this season. I really do. I need to come up with a really good excuse. I don't need an excuse. I just need to figure out a time in which I can go out to, to Baltimore and try a cruise myself because uh, it has definitely fostered a, a special place in a lot of people's hearts up there. And being in Baltimore, what a convenient place. I mean, obviously, from Orla- I live in Orlando, and you know, Southwest and every other airline in the world flies in that area, so it's really easy to get to. And what's nice about Baltimore, very close to uh, to Bermuda, as well as offering cruises to Canada and New England. Maybe I want to do Canada and New England, and I also want to do Cruise on Grandeur. Maybe I combine the two. I mean, there's two kill two birds with one stone. Next, we have an email from, uh, email from April Farmer, a.k.a. Lady AZYMD on Periscope. April says, Matt, love your podcast on Periscoping. My husband and I listen to you often and keep the cruising bug alive between sailings with all the wonderful information you provide. I'm writing a comment on the email at the, epi- at the end of episode 266 by a listener who has a dinner theater and especially restaurant uh, when Adventure Ocean might be closed. I just wanted to say that if their child is old enough, they may be able to drop them off before 5 p.m. and allow their child to eat with the other kids in the buffet. Uh, if it's still offered on that sailing. My son went with us on Harmony of the Seas last October, and he liked eating with the kids so much he tried to get out of eating with us the rest of the cruise. This might be an option for them as long as it's offered and they drop their child off well before it closes at 5 p.m. Great recommendation, April. Absolutely true. In fact, we've taken advantage of that program at least a couple of times, and to the same reason I think April's son does. My kids like hanging out with other kids. They don't want to hang out with us. We're boring. They want to hang out with their friends, and uh, that certainly makes a lot of sense. So, April, thank you for the recommendation there. Appreciate that. Let's keep things rolling here with our next email. It is from Rebecca who writes, uh, Good morning, Matt. I've been an avid lurker on your Royal Caribbean blog site for a while. Some background on me. My husband and I are both IT professionals in our 40s and 50s. We love to travel, and cruising is one of our main means of doing so. We've cruised nine times, eight with Royal Caribbean, one with Carnival. We've also have four more cruises and planning stages, three with Royal Caribbean, one with NCL. We've been mostly to the Caribbean, but also have been to the Western Med and Havana. Our future cruises include Bermuda, Alaska, and the Eastern Caribbean. Of the cruises we've done, 
five of the past ones and three of the ones in planning are or have been groups. These groups have been everything from six to 26 people. This included our wedding cruise in 2012. We were married on Allure of the Seas in November 2012. I have been the primary planner for all of them and have learned a lot about planning, cruising, the group process, etc. My idea for your podcast episode is a podcast on planning a group cruise. Talk about it all. Where to start? cover the good and the bad, address challenges, mention using a travel agent. I don't use MEI, but I do use a travel agent. What makes a good group? The perks, planning the, through the cruise line or on your own, choosing the ship or destination. I think all of it would be helpful for someone who wants to plan but doesn't know where to start. I'd be happy to participate if you're looking for another person's opinion. Rebecca, that is a great idea, and I think it is definitely something we need to talk about because it is a topic I think a lot of people run into, and you may not realize you're a group. I think when people think of groups, they think of, oh, uh, you know, I'm going to bring uh, my church group with me or we're going to bring, you know, the chess club or something like that, like like a, a group in a formal sense. But really, if you get uh, in the ballpark, if you have eight rooms in your family, you know, it's you, there's, there's one room, one room for you, one room for the kids, one room for your parents, one room for, I don't know, your daughter's boyfriend's parents, you know, your, your neighbor... You're up to five right there. If you get to eight rooms, you can constitute a group in Royal Caribbean's eyes. And there's a lot of benefits and hassles of going and creating a group. And I think that Rebecca is absolutely right. We we should do a a topic. But in fact, Rebecca, I'm not deleting this email. I'm going to go put this in my uh, podcast idea email box. Because I think this is a great topic that we probably should uh, do a little bit of research on and make sure I can get all the information out there. Maybe reach out to my friends at MEI Travel. Because quite frankly, when I organize any kind of group, we do group cruises. They're the ones who... Uh, who help us with that? They make the magic, and I'll tell you. If nothing else, let me. If if someone's listening to this, they say, "Man, I want to plan a group, but where do I start?" Give me one tip before you go. Use a travel agent. Rebecca's doing it the right way as well. A travel agent with a group is not only not not nice to have; it is a necessity. Do not try to do a group on your own. You will regret it oh so much. Oh oh so much. Uh, next, we have an email from Tanya who writes, Good morning. I have a question regarding solo cruising. We lost my mother-in-law this year in March. We're booking a family cruise from Mar- Christmas of 2020. My father-in-law will be booked solo, but he ha- but has asked the question as to whether or not he would be able to add a passenger in his room if by chance he meets someone before we sail. I advise, I did not see why not, but want to check with you. I'll be booking the cruise through next cruise in November, so I'll ask the sales staff as well. Tanya, good question. So this is an interesting... So you've got uh, Tanya's father-in-law, who's right now cruising solo. But what happens if if Tanya's father-in-law wants to bring somebody else? Friend, cohort, whomever, right? To go from one to two. Therein lies the problem. My advice, when you try to add somebody to reservation, no matter what the situation, it will change the price. In in this particular scenario, Tanya, you don't want to do that. What you want to do instead is have your father-in-law book with a phantom person. So officially, two people will be in the room, and with two people in the room, it'll be obviously your father-in-law's name and make up a name. Put, I don't know, your your brother's name, your your boss's name. Make somebody up. Ideally, maybe somebody who might actually go on the cruise. The reason is to change a name is very easy. As long as one name on the reservation is remaining consistent since booking, which your father-in-law would be, you can swap out names very easily. No change in pricing. But adding or subtracting people from a reservation is where you run into problems. So put, when I say problems, I mean pricing problems, pricing going up or re, it's almost like booking another cruise in that sense. So have your father-in-law uh, book the cruise with a fake person in there. It's okay. If that, and you're wondering, well, wait a minute, what if that person never shows up? What if, what if my father-in-law ends up going solo? No problem. You don't, it's not a problem at all. In fact, 
I went on Harmony of the Seas one time, and we had this exact scenario, and I put my daughter down, knowing full well she wasn't cruising with me. But they don't care. Royal Caribbean is they. They don't care if the other person doesn't show up. It's not a big deal. Your father-in-law will still get double crown and anchor points for cruising solo. So there's really no difference. You're just protecting against that particular scenario. And that's definitely the way to go, Tanya. So put a fake name down there. If no one shows up, don't worry about it. Just leave it alone and you, your father-in-law can cruise solo. If you want, if, uh, if there is somebody who you want to add to the reservation later on, swap out that fake person's name for the real person. You should have no problems going forward. I've certainly been able to uh, encounter that as well. And our last email comes to us from Martha, who writes, Matt, we're going on a uh, cruise very soon, but my husband and I really enjoy your Real Korean podcast. I want to know if there are any theme nights on our cruise, specifically 60s, 70s, or tropical nights planned. Uh, yes, there are, there can be, Martha. The best way you can figure it out is to look at a past cruise compass. So on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, we have in our main menu a link. It says Cruise Compass. Click on that and then find the ship you're going on. I'm thinking, according to the subject of your email, you're going on Adventure of the Seas. Click on there. There's a filter for adventure and find a past cruise compass. You know what you're going to, you're going to find very quickly, Martha, is that while it's not going to be like exactly what's going to be on your particular sailing, the, the night, the themes don't change all that much. And in fact, when it comes to, you know, the theme nights, they really don't change at all. So you'll have an idea of what to expect. And that's how I'd plan around that. Martha also wants to know which of the dining venues offer light, uh, maybe even healthy eating options for breakfast or lunch. In past cruises, the adult pool areas often have a small dining option. You're absolutely right. The Windjamer is definitely your go-to spot. It's going to have the widest selection of things to to eat. And what that means is, obviously, you're going to have the most opportunity to find healthier snacks. So you're on Adventure of the Seas. If you were on, you know, an Oasis-class ship, I would probably recommend going, or in a Quantum-class ship, I would say, you know, go down to Park Cafe or Cafe 270. They tend to have more, like, you know, build your own salads. The Windjamer is still your best choice. Uh, if you go to the main dining room for on sea days, for lunch, there is going to be a custom salad station. You can make your own chopped salad. It's really good. Sometimes it's called the uh, 2D salad station. It's so good. Uh, I think that's exactly what you're going to be looking for. So look for that. Here was a breakfast. I mean, I think I mean, you have the main dining room. You'll have the Wind Jamer. Um, those would be your best choices. I mean, in Adventure, this is the only other real choices are Cafe Promenade, which will have light fare. And it's not going to be like a meal. You can might look at it. No harm in that. But I still think it's hard to go wrong with the Wind Jammer. So. There you go. Uh, Martha, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You can always send me your emails by emailing it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.